When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast. You guys know what we do here, at least what we try to do. (laughs) (laughs) Last time we were talking about sort of the soft side of things, which we get into once in a while. And the time before that, we've been very philosophical. I did get a really nice text from a friend who listens and he said uh, he loves it when we get off onto those bigger picture parts of investing. Because I think for so many of us, it draws us to this practice. It draws us to this activity, however you want to think about it. I feel like people who don't care about that part of it, like were finance majors and went to business school and went to Wall Street. And those of us who (laughs) didn't go that way, (laughs) we need a little something more. (laughs) And it's almost like if if you're a person that went to business school, finance degrees, ended up on Wall Street, it's like you it's very difficult for people who've gone through that sort of paradigm, ab- absorbing that paradigm of Wall Street, very difficult for them to see the value of this. Yeah. Um, it is so different. I, I saw an article recently that was describing our, our methods of investing as being really out of reach. And, and the reason that they thought it was out of reach, they were writing about professionals on Wall Street oh. who simply can't do this. Yeah, well, I, it's like, I would well, say yeah, that's correct. <laughs> If you want to sit there in a position for the next eight years and hope you still have a fund by the time you finally right. are proven right, then sure, in the long good run, luck with you're that. Gonna be, you're gonna yeah, not gonna keep your investors. With, exactly. Yeah, I mean that's correct. And just think how how important that that information is. This 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 recognition. I should say on it Wall so Street. flippantly. It's not. 100% correct. There are obviously tons of investors who want to be in long-term oriented funds. Ob- like That's why Berkshire is the most highly valued company, you know, XXX that it has been. And that's why longer term investors tend to be very well known. Um, but it's hard to do it in the beginning, I think. It's hard to do it professionally in the beginning. Like once you're Buffett and you, you're impossible. like, I'm Buffett, look at my 30-year history, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So like what would that be? Roughly the year like 1995, let's say. Here, I'm Buffett. Here's my 30-year history. Everybody's like, all right, yeah, like he's really got something there. All right, cool. But without that, who is this guy? Are we really going to leave our money with him? Well, I see your point, right? And the point being that without a track record, who's going to give a well this guy the money? Correct. So but with long term investing, right? you need a very long track record. That's my point. Yeah. I mean, how do people get funds on Wall Street, right? I mean, they don't have long track records. Right. They're so just coming work. through the system. Yeah. They're in the system. And the system says, Oh, we're Goldman Sachs and we have this pile of money to invest 
and you've been an analyst in this particular narrow mm-hmm. range of things, and we're now going to give you more money. Mm-hmm. And you sort of earn your way up by not right. making any major mistakes. You get your own book, and then you start bringing in clients, or maybe you yep. start bringing in clients, and then you get your own book, and yep. <laughs> move up from there. And it's so interesting that you know the the number of people who have been able to bridge that gap of very short-term, very good results, and then very long-term, very good results. Those are those are some rare it is. kind of genius. I remember Lee Lu, uh, who's a investor we've talked about a lot here, long-term uh, investor, has well, that article that we read and we talked about extensively. He said something like, I don't even trust a 10-year track, track record because a lot of people could probably do pretty good over 10 years. I want to see like a 15-year track record. Like, give me... <laughs> at least one or two downturns and let me see what happens. Right. And I remember thinking like about myself, like, yeah, how can I even really know if I'm a good investor without that kind of time period? Like, I think I'm, I think I'm agreeing there just even like reflecting on my own uh, opinion of myself. Like how confident can I really be until I've been through a couple of downturns? I think especially over the last, many years now without a downturn, mm-hmm. without a significant one. Um, that's That's been a real question. I think now we're in it. Now we're swimming in turbulent water. It's turbulent. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes. And I think now you're going to see, like, I hate to mix metaphors, but the tide's going out on the market and you are going to see who's been swimming naked. Mm-hmm. And that that is something that hasn't happened for a long, long time. There's quite a number of investors who are middle aged now who have never seen a big reversal in the market uh, that lasted. Right? Where they've been like investing. Yeah. Right. Where they've been investing. Well, I mean, so that, yeah, I'm one of them having. and I'm not actively managing my money right now because of everything we talked about last episode. And it's been a frankly wonderful experience to be forced the being forced part has not been wonderful but being forced to take a step back and say like I just have to trust my past investments and my past decisions and relatively keep up with the companies I've chosen but I'm not doing any more than that it's been a wonderful experience to discover that that is absolutely possible <laughs> for two years of being sick and just be like, all right, this is easy. (laughs) I'm not doing anything additional, but it really, um, I would, I would say it is a huge mark in the pro column that when life goes crazy, you can trust your investments. Yeah. Um, That's a giant thing. I was but coming into thinking, this now turbulent times, I have been thinking like, oh gosh, maybe I need to be like doing more things and I don't really know how I'm going to handle it, quite frankly. So that's Well, I hope, happening. obviously I'm here to help, of course. I know, but, I know. And and this, this I think But I know I'm not the is, only person who has like <laughs> issues in their life. So just, sure. I, I guess I'm saying this for everybody who's going like, oh my God, how do I handle this and find the time and deal with everything else i'd say now's now's the time to find the time Mm. i mean you you're going to have if this if this next wave of sort of recession slash inflation 
follows the script of the last 140 years, you've got some time. You've got a year to two years um, in that time frame someplace before this market really corrects itself and starts going up again. And so in that time period, what you're likely to see, again, I don't have a crystal ball by any means, so take this um, like me looking at clouds and saying there's a train. I'm looking at these clouds and saying that when the, when the clouds have looked like this in the past, um, it's a great time to be really doing your work and get a list of 10 companies that you want to own and wait patiently until they're bloody obviously on sale. Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't, don't be worried about the rounding errors. Just obviously on sale will work fine. And the last time we had a situation like this that was longer term, we had a great situation like this in March of 2020, of course. And, and I mentioned last time we did very, very well in the following 12 months. But that was a very short window. Yeah, that's what the, I was going to say. That was the not window, the one to two no, year situation. No. This, the, the last time we had that was 2007. I was on CNBC and telling Maria Bartiromo I'm getting out of the market here in, in late 2007. And... Um, it was 18 months before I went back publicly and said, hey, I'm back in the market. And that 18-month period, we didn't do anything. We just mm-hmm. sat, right? Mm-hmm. And the class that we taught, the first class that we taught um, in Singapore listed out, which what we try to do in every class is to do 10 companies that, that we think are really anti-fragile, great companies. And those people in that class just happened to be in June of 2009 in a perfect place to be investing. And... If they invested in the 10 companies that class picked, their compounded rate of return was way up there. It was something like 30% or something yeah, compounded yeah. for the next whatever that is, 13 years, which will make you wealthy, that little thing right there. It'll make you wealthy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And so, um, and just to the point of not being able to see returns relatively quickly, that's not the case in this kind of a turbulent market. You get to see the returns very quickly. And in fact, it creates a problem seeing the returns very quickly. It's one of my most difficult problems. So the class that bought all those stocks, selected all those stocks, saw within a year, those stocks had gone up substantially. Their return in that first year, I think, was like 40%. An enormous return. The second year, their returns were something like 100% mm-hmm. after two years. Now, what do you do then? Because you don't have this crystal ball right. that says, oh, the federal government's going to pour money into the economy like they've never done before in history and push the market to the place where it's the only thing to invest in that makes any sense. And money will just keep coming into the market for the next decade on nonstop. And the market's going to go from a previous market high on the Wilshire GDP ratio of maybe 120% to 
it'll be twice as much money relative to GDP, twice as high a market relative to GDP as we've ever had in history. And, you know, that you don't have that crystal ball. And so the the difficulty that you're going to run into, the problem you're going to run into, you guys, if you do this the way we want you to, the way we're going to do it is very likely to be how how do I convince myself to just stay in here, to stick with it through the next drop? So from 2009 in the market to 2011 in June, the market started getting shaky because Greek bonds started to fail. Oh, right. And the market flattened out and started looking very shaky. I remember that. There was so much concern about Europe starting to mm-hmm. go down an economic hole. If Greece yep. fell, what was next? Yeah. Right. And so the temptation would be to pull it out right yeah. there. Right. So there are some tools you can use to help your emotions and so on. But if you're just wanting to do this Warren Buffett style, then you fight that tendency and know you've bought wonderful businesses. You bought them at a really attractive price. Just let them compound. These are compounders. They, they're internally compounding your money at a very high rate. And it's far safer to leave your money in there with these compounding companies than to take it out and hope that you can get it back in again before the market takes off and, and runs away from you. We've got so the on safest. This, go ahead. I was just saying the safest way to proceed is is to be okay with what Buffett and Munger have said many times. And there's nothing easy about this, but it's the safest way to proceed. And that is if you own wonderful businesses that are compounders, be emotionally prepared to have them go down 50% from their high. And you just stay with them. I don't know. I I must be a weirdo because I find it so easy. (laughs) Oh my God. We're the opposite. I find it easy to pull the trigger. You find it Yeah, we're the opposite. Yes. And you find it easy to stay in once you've done it. And I'm like, I want to pull it out and and be ahead of the drop. Right? And it's just like... And we both do well. So it's there's a room in this in this world of ours of rule one style investing to have various strategies. But and I'm gonna work hard to this next time to try to not just be jumping out of things. I'm historically have this amazing track record of jumping out of massive compounders too early. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, really a, a fault that just from where I came from, just from how I built this. Uh, portfolio up is getting out and then finding something new and getting in. And I have to say that the very much what Warren Buffett did for the first 10 years of his career, you know, until about 1960, well, maybe not that long, maybe five to eight years, when Charlie came along and said, hey, look at Warren, it's much better to just buy a wonderful business uh, at a fair price and hold it than to yeah. buy these not so great businesses at super cheap prices and having to constantly find something new. At that time, at the when he was buying and selling more, was he still doing the Graham method of owning a lot of companies? A lot being no. like fifty to a hundred? No, he never did that. Warren So it was still Warren. only a, a limited number of companies. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, okay. I thought that he used to own a lot more, and then once he well, sort he, of joined the Munger team, um, he he used to pick his spots. Buying less. Now he'd pick his spots very carefully, 
10 companies um, that he called generals. These are companies that he's going to buy cheap and sell them at a price that reflects what they're worth and uh, and keep doing that over and over again. So a lot of research and a lot of digging, looking for op- opportunities that have been missed by the market. And it requires you to be a genius. You have to be better than everybody who's graduated from Harvard and is in the market. And mm-hmm. Warren is that guy. He's, he's capable of doing that. But Charlie came along and said, look, you know, at some point we're getting so big that there's less and less opportunities. You, it's hard to find things sitting under a rock when, you know, you, you'd be looking for a whale. It's hard to find whales under a rock. Mm-hmm. So um, Charlie said, look, what's going to be better for us in the future is to buy these bigger, wonderful businesses when they're on sale and then just hold on to them. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to buy compounders and hold on to them. So that was a very big change for Buffett that he he shifted. Now, if you're little like us, we're all relatively little, then it just depends on how smart you think you are. If you're that smart, then look under rocks and find those things that have been missed by the market. And what that means to me is you'll be looking in micro and mini and small cap stocks. I mean, you're going to be looking for things that are too small for the um, analysts to be bothered with and for the fund managers to be dealing with at all. So you're looking for things that aren't being covered. If you're going to try to play the I'm a genius game, then that's where you got to go. Absolutely. And you can do that if you're smart enough. Well, but lots and, of us. And don't if you think have enough time. Enough. Yeah, it's time. A lot see. of it's just straight up time research. Eyeballs on Digging the page. Literally yeah. thousands of pages of stocks. That exactly. You're for that one little thing. And Lee Lu did that as well. I mean, he's got a great story about finding Timberline, you know, the shoe guys. Hmm. And um, and they were hated by Wall Street. And the CEO was written about as being on the verge of fraudulent, you know, not honest with the implications of the write-ups. And Lee Lu looked at the data and the data said, this is a wonderful business, but the CEO is so controversial, right? And so he dug into it deep and found out that the CEO was controversial. In his view, he was controversial because he was not playing the analyst game. Oh, yes, that is he very refused. controversial. Oh, yeah. Nobody He likes refused that. to provide analysts with any information mm-hmm. and when they would make estimates he would he would effectively mock them <laughs> and you know criticize their efforts and oh man you take it on i mean look at look at what happens when you take on journalists right same thing happens when you take on analysts you, you're you're creating an enemy that ha, you know buys his ink by the ton essentially to quote franklin <laughs> so you 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 don't want to do that and so Lee Lu was looking at this and going, wow, um, this guy is so criticized for something that maybe is the right thing to do. Maybe you shouldn't be providing analysts with all this stuff. But he couldn't tell for sure if the guy was honest. So he got on a That's plane. the problem. When you see somebody avoiding those questions, it's either fantastic yeah. and going to be like the greatest person to put your money with because they're totally following the long-term principles right. or... They're ultra shady and cheating somewhere. <laughs> Those right. are the two options. <laughs> right. So Lilu got on a plane, flew to this guy's hometown, 
and went to his church on Sunday. Found okay. out what church he went to. Creepy. Went to his church and interviewed people coming out the door about this guy. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then he went to his country club and asked people about him at the country club. Can you imagine this Chinese guy in there? Like trying to talk to people. I can't and imagine people, anybody people, of any color. I mean, Lilo's English so was a little bit modest. Oh, so really? He didn't help. really speak English very well then? No. I mean, remember, he Wait started his investing career. He came career. here to go to school, didn't he? Look at, he started his investing English career. Must in have been his fine. words, in his words, he started his investing career because he saw a poster for a free buffet. Okay. A free buffet. He didn't have any money. So he went to the free buffet to get food, and it was a free Warren Buffett lecture. At Columbia, right? At Columbia. Yeah, okay. So yeah, English, not perfect. Oh yeah, well, I'm sure it wasn't, okay. But he spoke right, English so well enough to go being, to bloody Columbia. Give me a break. I think it was a stretch. He said it was hard. <laughs> okay. It was really hard. But here, point being that if you're going to be that genius you're going to dig under a lot of rocks you're going to have to really do things that other people don't do yeah if you do it the way pretty much we do it and the way that buffett does it today and munger is you really have a list of companies that you want to own because they're wonderful companies they're anti-fragile businesses they're big compounders and you have to be patient and wait for these opportunities where an event has happened and the thing goes on sale and obviously, a big recession is a big event. That's the classic event for us to really load up the truck on. And we are stepping into that right now, it looks like. We're settling into the market turbulence and a recession with the Federal Reserve insisting on creating a recession, hopefully a small one in their view, mm-hmm. um, in order to slow down this inflation that isn't slowing down even as they raise interest rates. So you guys have already seen where rates are jacking up the mortgage rates and now we've heard from dalio where he thinks they're going to go and basically we're we're probably headed that direction pretty good so if that's the case man now's the time to get ready get yeah that i list agree ready. i'm glad i'm glad i'm glad we talked about it i'm putting yep. it in the back of my head how am i gonna make this happen yeah. all right let's stop there because now i feel the pressure and i need to think okay. about how to handle okay. it okay yeah, let's 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 stop right there, and maybe we can talk about how to handle it. Well, yeah. Huh? <laughs> Next time, <laughs> let's do that. Want you? Sure. I don't know what that means, but yeah, I, great. I'm thinking that imagine that the pressure we feel about trying to find the great companies is the pressure of trying to eat an elephant. How would you do it? And the answer, of course, classically, is one bite at a time. And so what would the bites look like? How, how small a bite can we make it, right? We say, oh, there's only four things you have to do. Understand the business, make sure it's got a big moat, good management, margin of safety. Those are not small bites. Mm-hmm. There's nothing small about any of those. Can we slice this a little thinner, please, to where we could chew that one thing? Let's try okay. it. Let's talk about that. Sounds good. All right, cool. Thanks, everybody. Until then, time to go play. See ya. Bye.
Hi guys, thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding, they really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And I'm really important, it's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.